This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. It is day one of mandatory minicamp. What is going on, Mike? Day one of mandatory minicamp and day one out of uh the last month of news there's news there's news and it's crazy because on a couple podcasts i was over the jonah williams joe mixon topic and then jonah williams showed up not no surprise because honestly albert breer uh posted this a couple months ago that jonah williams planned to be there for the mandatory stuff and this is mandatory everything else it was voluntary workouts it was their off-season otas none of that jonah williams needed to show up to and jonah williams showed up today and he talked to the media i'm just going to go ahead and ask you right now what did you think of uh jonah williams comments you know he brought up not hearing from the front office but he's also here to compete for the right tackle position yeah, I mean, it's what we kind of expected out of him. Uh, I think some people have thought – I've thrown out the idea. Maybe he doesn't – you know, just because of Bates last year. Maybe he does a Jesse Bates. He doesn't come until he really needs to, not just mandatory minicamp. He'll take those – I think you get fined for that, uh, not showing up to that, but um, it's not like a game check. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he doesn't want to play right tackle because, you know, he is a left tackle. I think – every time I've said that, I think I also go, that's probably a bad move. <laughs> Uh, you should probably compete at right tackle, try to get that starting job. But uh, it was always in his cards that he could do whatever. And the reason I always thought whenever we talked about the offensive line, I think he's got the inside track to be the starter because I expected him to come in and compete for that job. And I think he's uh, best suited to win that job week one. Um, I think his comments make sense with his story this entire time. Just, you know, he was blindsided by it, as he said, which was, uh, I don't know if he said those exact words, but either the reporting or him, one of those guys, you know, don't use that phrase, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but he was taken by surprise on those, on the day that it happened, basically just didn't even know that they were looking elsewhere. And yeah, it's a business. It's the business side of everything. The Bengals didn't really know that they were, going to move on from him until they I believe what they got I remember there was an article I hope I haven't forgotten a lot of it but I believe Orlando Brown his agent called them and we mm-hmm. I remember talking a lot about how like you know good players are starting to call them because they want to play for a contender um and that's what that was so if Orlando Brown's agent never calls the Bengals Jonah Williams is your starting left tackle but because he called and that's an obvious upgrade, you make that move and you hope that Jonas are okay moving to right tackle. I think 
this has been the entire thing. I think, as I've said before, I think, you know, Jonah, they probably didn't really care to move on. Like that wasn't a priority. It wasn't a priority to move on. If you were getting told that you were getting moved on from, you're probably in a worse spot (laughs) with the team than if they kind of surprised you, which I know I understand the emotions of like, surprise, you're not playing your position anymore. Um, that always stinks. I would not call it a, a demotion. I think it's just a position change. Um, you could say he lost his job, but I wouldn't call it demotion just because I think right tackle, left tackle, just as important as each other. But end of the day, if they told him they were moving on, that would probably feel that would probably be worse for him in the long run than what they did, which was kind of blindside him, which he shouldn't have found out from the internet. Like they should have after doing the Orlando Brown thing, had somebody call him and let him know, or even if it was just Frank, just like they brought in a guy and you're going to have to start learning right tackle, just somebody he knows to deliver the news because that would feel better. But overall, this is kind of what we expected from Jonah to come in and compete, to try to win that right tackle job. It is a competition, I believe Uh three horse race with, two very lagging horses that could, I guess, compete if there's an injury <laughs> way back there. Uh, but there's three horses way up in front. And uh, I think Jonah's on the inside track. Yeah. You know, some when his comments came out, he talked to the media today and respect to him because there are some players who are like, I'm not ta- speaking to the media and you get fined for that for, for some teams. But he's like, well, God, I'm here. I'm in here to talk to you guys. Every single media member was at his locker and he explained everything. And, and I can appreciate him being honest about the whole situation. And, you know, so I was a little surprised nobody from the Bengals organization said that they've talked to him yet about it. <laughs> um, I guess it's kind of, hey, it's out there. Orlando Brown is going to be the left tackles. So you're going to go over to right tackle. And I don't blame the Bengals a bit because you wanted to upgrade the position and you get multiple years with Orlando Brown. And that was going to be a concern after this year with Jonah Williams. But credit to Jonah to just say, hey, you know, I'm here to compete for the right tackle position in the offensive line. I truly feel if you can get your best out of Jonah Williams, I wouldn't say last year, but the the previous season, if you can get that out of him at the right tackle position, I'm not going to say that's easier because you are switching sides. This offensive line is going to be the best if it can stay healthy that Joe Burrow has ever played with in his career in Cincinnati in a short career and that is absolutely huge to be able to see that I mean we all witnessed what he did with the offensive line in the Super Bowl and it's still unbelievable he got that far with what he was dealing with and then towards the end in the AFC championship game out with that three starters and to be able to have those guys is huge and to have Lyle Collins out there and he's been really active um you know I know they were at the the Reds um before the pregame, um, just hitting baseballs. Even Lyle Collins was out there. He's been with the team, Orlando Brown making jokes in the locker room, and it really feels like they're gaining that connection to be determined on what Lyle Collins looks like if he's ready to start the season or they do put him on the pup list, and it's more of a Jackson Carmen, Jonah Williams situation. But give me all the depth in the locker room when it comes to the offensive line because they definitely need it. So I'm all I'm all here for it. And, you know, I just remember those conversations with Jonah when it was, well, is he really going to try hard if he finds out he has to play right tackle? And, and for me, I've always thought, look, he's going to get $12 million, and he needs to prove to the NFL. It's probably not going to be in Cincinnati after this year, but he needs to prove to the NFL. I can still play in the NFL. Maybe it's right tackle. Maybe it's left tackle. Look around the league. Right tackles are getting paid a pretty nice dollar right now. And he could be on another team next year and prove, hey, I'm still legit 
on the offensive line. So this is a huge year for Jonah Williams. And if he's if he didn't come to to Bengals camp and if he didn't show up at all, he wouldn't get his twelve million dollars. That would be absolutely foolish by him, and uh, he probably wouldn't land on a roster the following year. So this is huge for Jonah Williams, and always felt like he was going to go out there and, and give everything he can. Um, and the the team's going to put the best players out there. And if it's Jonah Williams, he's going to be the right tackle, and that's a win for this team. It's a win for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, the one part of that, the, uh, does is he really going to work for them and whatnot? And I mean, I've just always taken issue with the idea of questioning somebody's work ethic, even though he may have asked for a trade, he asked for a trade because he wants to stay at left tackle. That's a competitive type thing. Um, and it's an emotional reaction too. We have to understand that these are people and not just names and somebody on Madden that you could just, well, I'll just change his position and move him over to the other side or to guard or center or wherever. And there's no difference. There's a difference. This is his livelihood. And he was clearly upset about that. Never once did I think he wasn't going to try though. I mean, if anything, maybe just try to compete at left tackle. Probably wouldn't win that battle. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't win that battle considering the money. Um, but uh, he's always, he was always going to try and compete. And if he's, Putting his mind to it, I think that you know he's got a good shot at winning this right tackle job. I, I don't think we do all of this talking about how Jordan Battle must be so smart and such a hard worker because he started as a freshman for Nick Saban. Jonah Williams started as a freshman for Nick Saban. It's the same thing. He's smart and hardworking. Like that's what are we doing with that? I don't understand. But the other part of this is just, this is a guy whose kneecap floated all the way around his leg in the game and he missed six snaps. That guy works hard. That guy cares about the team. He's going to blood, sweat, tears, all of that coming out, try to win for the for the organization. Uh, it's just, man, I have thought these have been the most ridiculous claims all because he doesn't post Instagram workouts. And, uh, you know, post videos of him taking kick slides at right tackle. Dude, that's what this offseason's for. Like, <laughs> he wasn't there at the optional OTAs, which really aren't optional if you ever hear anybody talk about these things, especially when you hear fans talk about these things. <laughs> optional, no way. Uh, if you don't, if you're not at OTAs, you don't care. Uh, so I've just, oh man, I've been. I've been a little bit burned up about that. Just like, I can't believe you that people are going to the lengths of questioning somebody's work ethic, questioning somebody's uh, heart, questioning, you know, all of these things just because he asked for a trade. Totally normal thing to ask for a trade when you lose the job that you had. And yeah, there's another job open, but he wants to be a left tackle. Find out nobody really wanted him to be a left tackle. So that kind of stinks too for him, right? Now he's going to go compete at right tackle. And this is a guy who started for Nick Saban as a freshman. Nick Saban said, this is a guy that could start all five positions. Uh, I have no idea if he could snap, but uh, I mean, Nick Saban seen more of him than me. Uh, he's smart. He's hardworking and he's tough. I think that's the one thing that we don't give him enough credit for is that he is tough. I think he showed a lot in that one game and this season in dislocating a kneecap and missing six plays. I don't think we can understate that. He missed six plays. And you know what he did in that game? He pitched a shutout, including pancakes, multiple pancakes on in that game. I mean, that was a dominant performance. I got all this – I got crap from somebody about how that wasn't a dominant performance or something. It's like he had bad – because he said he was bad this year. He only, had pl he only played bad games. Like anybody who was bad in a year can still have good games. John Ross, week one, 29 20 – 
19 in 2020, one of those years. <laughs> what, 200 yards and two touchdowns? He had bad games after that, but that one wasn't. Uh, so I don't know. That, that's my whole thing on this is just I've thought it's – I'm never going to question somebody's, you know, how much they want something, how much that – they uh, are willing to work for something. I, I'm not going to question that because these guys are in the NFL. They're going to work a heck of a lot harder than I have to make that dream come true. They, you know, these guys are working really hard. They don't get their talent can get you to college. I don't think talent can get you to a starting gig in the NFL, at least not five years into your career. Yeah, I, the the work ethic questioning that is, is absolutely bizarre to me. And even Joe Burrow said he said it twice actually this offseason when he was asked about Jonah Williams, and he he just like that's a business, that's a Jonah mm-hmm. decision, and he supported it all the way. Joe Burrow even gave him a phone call, and um, offered his support too. And, and like I said, if Jonah Williams. It, Jonah Williams is out there right tackle and he's playing just average and you could even say slightly below average. This team is better on the offensive line overall. If that's what you have right now as your starters on the offensive line, healthy, fully going into September, there was actually something I, right before we got on the podcast, I, I noticed it on social media and the, the reaction was to Jonah Williams comments earlier today and the person on Twitter, I'm paraphrasing a little bit what he said, but I want to get to his point. And he was like, well, it's, the, it's just like the corporate world and, that happens at work. It's it's a business. And, and the NFL isn't like the corporate world. Not at all. The, I can't really find too many comparisons to an NFL team, how they operate versus me working in my corporate job that I go to from eight to four, Monday through Friday. It's, it's a whole lot of different. So I just feel like we, we always try to find these comparisons and we want to find this for Jonah or you're upset with this comments that he's making when he's being honest, but at the end of his comments, he's saying, look, I'm ready to go out there compete. And he talked about wanting to be a Bengal the rest of his career and just kind of what it meant to play in Cincinnati. And I think that's awesome for me personally. I said it about Joe Mixon. I feel that way about Jonah Williams because I feel like we always have to keep bringing them up together or comparison this off season is I want them to play their best season for the Cincinnati Bengals going into 2023, because that makes this team better. That helps them get to a championship that helps them win more playoff games that helps them win their division again. That's a good thing. I don't know why anybody would be against this situation. Now, if he's playing good at right tackle, that's going to be important. We'll get to that, what it looks like during the season. But me personally, I feel like it's better on the offensive line if Jonah Williams is out there. Yep. And, End of the day, both these guys cannot play their cap contract or whatever you think of that. I mean, I guess there's some people that don't think a running back can ever make more than can ever outplay a four million dollar contract or something. But, you know, for what the market is, these guys can both outplay those contracts. I think if Jonah Williams plays at an above average level, he's probably playing up to that contract. And if he plays better than that, then he's playing above that contract. I think if he plays average and below, he might be playing below the contract. And that's a whole thing. You can't cut it. You have to find a trade partner, and they would rather have him compete at right tackle than to send him for peanuts somewhere else because you'll probably get something. You'll probably get something in terms of compensation, uh, compensatory pick after the year. As long as he plays at an average level, he'll probably get paid a decent amount. He's a former high pick. Uh, They might want him at guard. They might want him at tackle. They might want him at right tackle. Maybe he plays good enough to get some right tackle looks. I don't know. All I know is there's a lot of bad offensive line play in the NFL. And I don't think Jonah Williams is below a starting level player. I think he can be a above average to good starter, but where he is now is definitely starting level. It's and it's not trash heap starting level. It's fine. And yes, this is 
on paper, just like last year, but this is on paper the best offensive line they've had for Joe Burrow. And look, end of the segment, but if Jonah Williams plays an above average level, he outplayed Lahal Collins last year. That's just – that's what it is. I mean, Collins falling down. Collins couldn't hold up. It, it was – it's fine. Like, if he play, I think Collins wasn't terrible. I just think we have – kind of jumped the shark a little bit about eulogizing Collins or uh, I don't know, soliloquizing Collins second half of the year. Wasn't that good. (laughs) No, like some of the run blocking was there, but the pass protection, if you needed 2.3 seconds, he has you. If you need any longer than that, he is on the ground and that guy's running at you. And I, I think he got himself in good position. I think he played as well as he could considering the injury and what that seemed to affect him. But I don't think we need to pretend that Lowell Collins was an all-star last year. Uh, there's a good chance Jonah Williams outplays what he did last year. And that is a good thing. And look, if Lyle Collins has time and he's not pushed to come back right away and we still have – we, we're talking about the Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins situation at the right tackle conversation. I'm totally fine with that, especially if Lyle Collins is ready to go and he feels healthy and he's the Dallas Cowboys Lyle Collins. And well, not that the would one- be – that would be huge. That would be huge. And that would be good for the future because I, I am kind of in that camp. And there's, and I want to move on to our next segment with Joe Burrow and, and what he talked about today. But I am in the camp that if you get something out of Lyle Collins and you see if he's serviceable and, and look, he's going to be a backup if Jonah Williams is a starter. But you need all the depth in the world on the offensive line. I want all these guys to stay healthy. But that could be a future guy that you sign to you know to add two more years onto his contract uh, when it comes to right tackle. But you're not pressuring Lyle to be ready in September. And I think that is a huge thing when it comes to uh, this offensive line. But whew, Jonah Williams, I feel like that's all we have right now for that conversation and that topic. Maybe we'll talk more when we get into training camp, but uh, I can't promise anything. Next, I want to talk about Joe Burrow. He talked to the media today on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We heard from Joe Burrow, mandatory minicamp. The Bengals will have one more full day today when you're hearing this podcast and then a shorter version of it on Thursday before they wrap up, pack up, and they'll head out of town before training camp gets here late July. But we heard from quarterback Joe Burrow today. And, uh, you know, Joe always finds something to talk about, and I feel like it'll um, go semi-viral in the Twitter world for the Cincinnati sports fans, Bengals fans. 
fans. And uh, I actually want to start out with the first thing because everybody wants to know, hey, when's this contract going to get done? And Joe was asked about that, and he pretty much is like, look, I've, I've given you enough information before, and, and maybe this is something we're going to hit on when we get to training camp, but really didn't have any new news to offer. I've said it before. I put it out there on social media. I think this contract extension will get done the first week, maybe early on into training camp, uh, definitely before preseason. It's just past history of what they've done with their big-time players when it comes to contract extensions, and that's just what I'm guessing. I, I don't think it's going to happen between now and training camp, but if it does, then great news for Bengals fans and Joe Burrow, then we can only talk about training camp when we get there. Uh, but what did you uh, think about what Joe said? It's all it's all been pretty much out in the media that they wanted to stay quiet behind closed doors. Yeah, it really doesn't feel too much like uh, new news to me. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's just I don't think he's upset. I, I think that would be what I could take away out of it is that mm -hmm. it seems like things are going pretty well. But the reason I don't consider it that big of news is just, you know, it's no real update. No. <laughs> you can read into it. You can read into it. You can certainly read into it about does that mean that it will be signed by then? Or does that just mean I'm not talking to you guys about that um, and I'm going to set a date so that you guys stop asking me? Um, that's, that's where I am on it. It's just the deal will get done when it gets done. I'm hoping you're right about it. I've, I've been hoping for the past like two months that he'll sign a, his big extension just because even though you have 99.9% .9 certainty that he will sign and remain a Cincinnati Bengal, it sure does sound different when he actually is signed and you're not talking about hypotheticals. Also, I feel like it will quiet down, um, you know, the nonsense Twitter people that think they can't pay him, which still I think exists a little bit, even though they are dwindling out, uh, but yeah, it is good to hear. It's good to not have him say, well, if they pay me what I'm worth, I'll be out there or something like that. That would be bad. But uh, he's saying the right things and we don't know much. I think that's the biggest part of this. Is we don't we don't really know anything. They took that silence vow and now neither side is trying to do any of the, um, you know, Burrow wants too much guaranteed. He's trying to cripple the organization and Burrow sending back. They only offer me a grilled cheese. <laughs> the thing is, I want to know what Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are tweeting to the agent or texting to the agent and just saying, when are you going to know what's going on? Can you offer any more news? And he's, they're like, no, nah, we got nothing. We're not going to say anything because, you know, they're trying to get that agent to give them some news on what's happening. Every time Ian Rappaport does an NFL Network interview and it's about Joe Burrow, it's just it's just they're working on it. The conversations are happening and it's nothing that, you know, the fans don't know right now. So I'm sure they're trying to get his agency to say something, but I can appreciate it. I've said it before that um, the, the Bengals front office and Joe Burrow is involved in the contract extension conversations with his agency and they're keeping it behind closed doors. And I think that's absolutely huge uh, for this contract to get to the finish line. And it just feels like we are going to have a pretty quiet four more weeks and then uh, maybe we get closer to that news breaking. But to be determined, I have heard zero about that. It's just an overall guess because it always just seems like it falls around that date. Joe Burrow also talked about uh, wanting to be in this. Actually, I, I saw it on the NFL Instagram account. They used that quote and I'm sure uh, a lot of fans had a reaction to it. He wants to be the best in the world. Uh, but when he was asked about that and, and, and the best quarterback in the NFL right now, he says it's Patrick Mahomes. You know, no surprise there. And Joe's 
I would agree with Joe. I think it's Patrick Mahomes. And then, you know, you can start to have that conversation that Joe can get there. It's really possible. We've watched Joe in the last three years and he's been really actually two and a half years and he's been really fun to watch. And you can look back at the last AFC championship game and the Super Bowl and say, man, they are close to having two Lombardies and he'd be right up there. Uh, He'd actually have more than Patrick Mahomes if that would have worked out like that. And uh, he is where he is right now, but he's going to admit who he feels like is the best in the NFL. And and I agree with Joe Burrow. But uh, what did you think of Joe's comments about that stuff? Yeah, I think for a while we kind of, uh, well, we collective. um, I've thought Mahomes is still the best, even Mm -hmm. in the heat of the battle. And when Burrow beat him in Arrowhead again, I was still kind of thinking, like, I I still think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. I think there was plenty of evidence that you could create a case for Burrow. But end of the day, I think when you look at the accolades, what Mahomes has done, what Mahomes did with and without Tyree Kill, I think you can make a stronger case the other way that Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the world. And that's okay. Um, Cal Don Jr. said nothing wrong with silver. So uh, it's where he is right now. He wants to be the best. If you go out and you have the season Mahomes just did, you are now the best. I think anybody who could win an MVP and then also win the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP, going to be hard to fight. They're not the best quarterback in the world uh, in that moment. So if Burrow can do that, repeat what Mahomes just did, this is why Mahomes is the best right now, then... I think you have a strong case that Burrow's now the best. But until then, I think you have to settle for second place, fighting for that number two spot. And you just, look, you beat the Chiefs twice. You win the Super Bowl. You do all, You don't even need the MVP at that point. You might be able to make the case that you're better. And uh, I, think, I think he's there. I think he's in the conversation. I just think it's still pretty universally Mahomes as the number one guy. Um, that's just, you know, like I said, if you're the best player in the regular season and postseason, hard case, hard case to sell me that there's somebody that's better than you at your position. I 100% agree with you. I, I do think it's Patrick Mahomes, number one. And can Joe Burrow beat out Patrick Mahomes and, and take that? spot 100%. I I truly believe um, just watching Joe that he's able to do that. I think some of the conversation that is always wild to me and I I, I said, you know, I think the the Bengals and the Chiefs have the best rivalry in the NFL. It is really fun to watch and, you know, we can joke and say, well, is it really rivalry? You know, before they were winning any games, it felt like it was just the Bengals were heavy in that that, uh, matchup. But now, you know, the Chiefs have one on them and and winning a Super Bowl is absolutely huge in the year that they beat the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. So, I love it I love watching it um I think you know when you hear about Joe Burrow and and maybe some outsiders who watch the NFL their biggest thing is well look at the wide receivers he has you know they have Jamar Chase they have T Higgins uh, he has Tyler Boyd out there and and you know you look over at Patrick Mahomes and it's like oh he is without Tyree Kilt but I think a lot of people forget he has a Hall of Fame tight end and his offensive line has been legit for the last couple of years. So that's been pretty helpful for Patrick Mahomes too. Um, I love, I love the conversation and, and I hope we get that. And that continues. I really hope that every single time these two teams play each other, we can get incredible matchups. And that continues with that new year's Eve game. I hope it means something. Maybe it's a one seed, maybe it's a two seed, you know, depending on what the playoffs look like in the rankings. And if Cincinnati's able to, you know, repeat and, and, and win the division again, that that game is going to be huge. Like they've all, Ben. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's a really fun conversation to have. But yeah, overall, Joe Burrow's right. 
I would say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, but Joe wants to get there. And Joe, you know, this offseason, um, compared to his first year when he was drafted, it was the COVID year. And I know every NFL player was dealing with that too, but it was his rookie year. The following year, he's rehabbing from his ACL injury, brutal injury in his rookie season. And then last year, the appendix happened during training camp. This year, he's working on a lot of different things personally um, on the field and just trying to make his game better, get better at things that he struggled with last year. And when, when you think about what you saw from Joe and things that he, he struggled with as a quarterback, which the list feels really small, what do you think is going to be big for Joe to, to just be working on over the training camp and, and going into the regular season? Yeah, last year I thought there was like granular stuff he could work on, and he did, and timing, um, not holding the ball too long, getting better at not taking sacks. I've always thought he had good pocket presence. He just might overestimate his own ability to get out of things and be Superman. And it seems like now he has kind of reeled that in. What I think of most is just to be consistently great. Um, you just, you had games last year and you could point to early on and you could blame the appendicitis. I'm sure that that is the serious, you know, that, that does matter. Um, but, you know, four interception games, hard to win an MVP after that, after that start, because you're starting off uh, shooting yourself in the foot and then trying to run a marathon. So then he didn't have a good game against Dallas either in week two. And this is probably appendicitis related. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the thing about it. It's like, I'm not trying to blame him or like, you know, how does he get better? Not getting appendicitis, starting the season strong, but then also just consistently play great throughout the rest of the year. I thought, you know, that last Baltimore game, last game of the season, yes, there were other things around that game with the whole DeMar Hamlin situation and the coin flip and whatnot, but that was another week game that he had. And they just, they do pop up once in a while. Nobody's <laughs> perfect, but if he could consistently be great and you know maybe there's a game in there that you don't have the best game but none of them are at the level of week one Steelers with the four interceptions and one half um and you're able to consistently play at a high level I think that would be the biggest thing and the the thing about it is just when Burrow plays at a high level it's certainly very hard to beat the Bengals uh that is true of any team with their quarterback playing that well. But when you look at the games they lost and then you look, well, how well did Joe Burrow play? I know we always talk about that 49ers game, which he did play excellent in uh, mm -hmm. that they, that they lost. But when you think of other games that they've lost, you kind of go, well, you know, the, the quarterback play, not that it was bad, but it could have been even better because we expect more out of this quarterback. I remember early on last year, I, it was going into the Saints game, maybe the first first probably drive. I was like, man, Joe just kind of seems a little slow this year. And obviously the appendix is going to be something you're going to point at. And then you get a new offensive line. It really felt like they got the ball moving when they were playing the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, the offensive line had their conversation with Joe Mixon. They were getting everything going. It was brand new for a lot of people on the offensive side of the ball. And I just thought, man, Joe just seems off. And then Joe has himself a home homecoming with Jamar Chase. And they end up winning that game. And, and it just really felt like they they got the ball rolling. Everything was moving along. And there, there's going to be, you know, these conversations. We are less than two months away from the conversation of, does Joe Burrow take reps in preseason? You know that's coming, right? Yeah. I think he wants to, and the team doesn't want him to. I think other guys should, though. I think other guys should take those preseason reps. I think that was something that hurt them. A little bit, you know, Jonah Williams not playing with Cordell Volson, their first time playing together being 
week one. And while Collins and Alex Kappa not playing together and I'll, you know, Ted Karras playing with nobody is just, they had an entirely new unit and it felt like they could have been better served to play a, a few snaps together in the preseason practice is practice. It's just the live bullets and those still aren't the preseason. Um, but you know, that has more of a regular season real feel to it rather than practice does. So I think other guys should play a little bit in the preseason. Maybe not Joe Burrow, maybe not Jamar Chase, maybe not T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, maybe not the weapons, but to me, high communication positions. And some of that, I think the offensive line should a little bit. Orlando Brown, Cordell Volson, get that marriage going. Whoever's at right tackle with Alex Kappa, get that going. I might as well just throw Karras in there too. You just start the offensive line a little bit. Um, I don't think Joe Mixon needs to play, but the other part that I think these guys should play is the secondary high communication level in that unit. And it's a lot of new pieces. I think they should play, you know, just like a series or two, maybe three series in the preseason, just to get a feel for it. I know you practice, you practice and you try to get that stuff down, but just, you know, send them out there for a series and, you really hope nobody gets hurt, but it's the NFL. People are going to get hurt. If it didn't happen there, it could have happened the first snap of week one. I don't, I don't think you can play scared too much. I think you're allowed to you know, do it a little bit, but rest guys that really don't need it. But for the guys that, you know, it's not that they need it, but you could benefit from it. I'd, I'd play those guys personally. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm I'm nervous about playing them. I really am. And I know I feel like everybody's going to be 50% on that decision of saying, look what happened last year. And you can't let that happen again with your offensive line. Me personally, I think I'm willing to risk it. And I know it's in Cleveland and they've struggled with the matchup against Cleveland. Not recently, not in the last matchup with Deshaun Watson and, and that team out there, but previously uh, when it comes to, to what it's looked like against Cleveland. And I just... I say you risk it and and they don't get the 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 reps. I'm okay with secondary. I think that's extremely important, especially with some of these rookies who I don't feel like Lou's gonna throw out there early on, but it wouldn't hurt for them to get these these game time reps. And I know it's different in preseason versus regular season, but I, I do. I like that secondary outlook on on getting the reps in preseason, but I don't know, man. I, when it comes to Joe or even the offensive line, I'm like, you know, let's just wait until September, wait until regular season. But they could have a different mindset, and they could look at last year and think, look, they were a extra point away from from possibly getting that number one seed, and um, that could have allowed them to get to another Super Bowl. So that was absolutely huge. And I've said it before, if Joe Joe had himself a second half versus the Steelers, after what happened in the first half, if they yeah. win that game or the extra points made, we were talking about this comeback. And Incredible comeback by the the Bengals offense. They were able to bounce back and and win the game. People forget T. Higgins went out of the game. Um, so it's just unfortunate how it's it's easy to go back to that game, just like we do the AFC Championship game. Um, you know, just things that they really missed those opportunities. So no, I'm looking forward to Joe Burrow in year four, and and hopefully Joe is uh, going into year four with um, that contract extension. That would be really fun to talk about. But more with mandatory minicamp next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
we are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. As we mentioned before, mandatory mini camp for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jonah Williams in attendance. Cheeto Wouzier without his brace. I think that's absolutely huge. Um, so far, their attendance is 87 out of 89 players. And then you get the guys who you were missing. And you're getting pretty much a full attendance at mandatory camp. And the reason I feel like that's a big deal, I know we make a lot out of nothing when it comes to some of the offseason workouts and programs and players. But over the last few years with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they've had a pretty full room when it comes to the voluntary workouts. But now it's it's the the mandatory stuff before they get into training camp and they have a few weeks off. And uh, the Cincinnati Bengals look looking full, but you look around the league and uh, it's not like that everywhere. I mean, some of the, the teams that come to mind, they're contenders, the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, it doesn't sound like it's a contract issue. It's more of an internal issue right now. He wasn't there, but he was at his physical on Monday at the Bills facility. Chris Jones wasn't there. Um, that could be a contract situation with the Kansas City Chiefs. Not every team has the luxury of all these players showing up. You hear from Joe Burrow. I know we were just mentioning his press conference, but he he was asked about that. And he's like, we genuinely like, genuinely like to be around each other. We hear about the ping pong battles that they have um, in between practices and just the, the friendship. I feel like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd have. The offensive line, they're really gaining a lot of respect for each other, and they seem to be hanging out a lot too. And I think that's really telling, seeing that from a locker room and where it translates to the field because of the success we've seen over the last couple of years. And and when your franchise quarterback talks about how they just like to be around each other, and, and that really says a lot about them, um, it's huge when you look around the league at other teams who are contenders, who have a great roster, and, and not everybody's showing up to that. Yeah, and I mean, I believe, yeah, the, the perfect attendance with this, they like being around each other. The culture that Zach Taylor has built has been huge in this team turning everything around and becoming a contender, perennial contender, rather than being, I mean, over the past 20 something years, the best they've been is a dark horse, you know, Super Bowl pick that, you know, you just don't want to pick one of the favorites. So you just kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe Andy Dalton and AJ Green figure it out this year. Uh, so I think. It's great. I think it's a great show of the community that they've built with each other, the continuity, the uh, camaraderie, how guys are able to just come in and completely buy in, thinking of that Orlando Brown didn't go to the White House because he wanted to be with the Bengals and get better. I think that's something that, hey, this was the early 2000s Raiders, or, well, maybe mid-2000s Raiders. Probably not. Probably not. Probably going up there. The, the team that made Randy Moss kind of quit football before 23 touchdowns. Yeah, probably probably going to go to the White House and enjoy those moments. But this team, they've built the, you know, they've built it up that people, that these players want to be together. So I think that it's huge. I think it's great. And the other part of that is there are teams with issues. And when you hear Stefan Diggs isn't coming to Bill's camp, I mean, the first thing that runs through my mind is, yeah, but he'll be there. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I'm like, think about that with the Bengals. We do all this dramatization of it, like Jonah Williams isn't at uh, voluntary workouts. But if you look at that with almost anybody else, my first thought is like, yeah, but he'll, he'll show up. <laughs> so it's true. I mean, it's true about most people. They'll show up. Uh, I mean, the times they don't show up is like Le'Veon Bell, and that's a serious, like, crazy out there situation. Not to say whether he was right or wrong, uh, just that that doesn't happen very often. 
Uh, Jesse Bates. I mean, he Jesse showed Bates. up. Jesse Bates. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was always running through your mind with the Jesse Bates thing? He's going to show up. He's going to be there. Yeah. He's going to be there when it matters. And he was there when it mattered. And the thing is, I, I would, and you're right. Stefan Diggs is probably going to be there the next day after our podcast gets released, but that's okay because we're making a segment of it. Uh, but, but overall you could point at T Higgins and you could say, you know what T this is a big year for you to get paid like a big time wide receiver. And T will get paid like a big time wide receiver. And he said, you know what? I want to be with my team. I want to practice with my team. And he has been there for a lot of the off season program, the majority of the off season program that's been voluntary. And I think that's huge. And that's telling that he wants to be out there. Joe Burrow has been out there since day one. Um, just, you know, having your franchise quarterback out there during all of this contract situation that's been going on behind the scenes, that is really telling. Yeah, these guys will eventually be out there for training camp for other teams. But when you hear everybody talk about, hey, we want to be around each other, this is a lot of fun and, and this is work for them. But they're going to be spending a lot of time together in four weeks and they're like, nah, nah, we got to get this working. We got to get this practice. And you mentioned Zach Taylor. And I think a lot of people, if they've ever had doubts about, about Zach, and, and look, he got a fair amount of criticism early on last year when it comes to the offense and, and him calling the plays, but it really felt like they turned things around after that Baltimore game. And he said, you know, we have a problem. We need to fix it. And, and they really did. And um, we go back to that game. You mentioned the 49ers game when they took the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in overtime and Zach Taylor told the media afterwards, that's my fault. I, I shouldn't have done that. And, and him just speaking up about that. Culture has been absolutely huge. And it's so easy to say with a new coach, um, and a turnaround, going to a Super Bowl, going to another AFC Championship game, winning playoff games for a team that saw a lot of playoff L's and they were making it to the playoffs and he really changed things in Cincinnati having Joe Burrow help. But the culture is huge. And, and I think Zach Taylor, I will be completely honest with you, I don't think he gets enough credit um, that he truly deserves with what he's been able to do with the team and hearing the players talk about the schedule of how Zach works out the schedule with him and, and he communicates that with him. I wouldn't even say he's a, a player coach or anything like that, but I think it's it's really cool to see what's happening behind the scenes and you have that in your head coach and, and that's huge for Zach Taylor too. And I, I hope this offense continues to shine so you can say a big part of that is not only Joe Burrow and the offensive weapons, but your, your head coach on the sideline. Yeah, two things with that. One, I don't think it's deniable. Zach Taylor's gotten better over his career. Um, he was a young coach when he was hired in, and he wasn't great early on. He wanted to force his system to work, and he wants, uh, you know, he kind of fumbled the Andy Dalton situation with Ryan Finley, and then he goes back to Dalton, and it's the reason they weren't winning very many games. Um, but then the next year, he's a little bit better. He's trying to work with Joe Burrow, work with that talent. The next year, even a little bit more better. And then this year, I think he was even better than last year. I think it, he's just gotten better year after year. The culture has always, to me, kind of, I think that's even gotten better. And the thing I look at with that is the first thing, at least, is the accountability. And it starts up top. How can you ask your players to be accountable if you're not accountable for what you do wrong? And he admits when he does stuff wrong, when he makes a mistake, when he does something and he regrets it, he will talk about it. And I think all the coaches do that. Um, Brian, sometimes a little bit too open about it, <laughs> about making a wrong call here or there. But I think that the coaching staff has always been accountable for when they mess up. So it lets the players be accountable for when they don't do the right thing. Um, 
yeah, that, that's, that's my thought on that. It's just he, he's built a good culture, which is funny to say after the reason I was a little bit hesitant at the start, I was like, well, there were the holdovers that had issues. Um, but once those guys were gone, it felt like this culture got really strong. And the thing about that is just it's accountability is responsibility and it's getting the most out of your players and building a family friendship type locker room where you can look to the guy next to you and know that he's got your back. Yeah. I mean, you could even, you know, if you were bringing up the Carlos Dunlap situation or the guys who were, it was probably their, it was, it wasn't working out. They were moving on and they made hard decisions and said that we were going to, they were going to change that. They were going to put other players in their position at that time. And the guys who were vets, some of them didn't like that. They didn't like that change. And for Zach and his, his crew to just say, no, this is, this is what we're going to do. This, this is who's going to be playing. Here's going to, who's going to be out there. And, you know, he made a very tough decision early on in his coaching career for a lot of the guys who were vets on this team and, and it really did change a lot of things. I mean, goodness, you could go to the Bills game on Monday Night Football when Zach Taylor could have played that game. I, I have no doubt that the NFL would have played the game if if they would have just, if the coaches would have agreed and Zach said we're playing the game and Zach went over to the sideline to talk to the Bills head coach and Sean McDermott and, and they decided not to play and I think that's huge in what you have in a head coach. Um, you know, it can be about the games and everybody knew how big that game was but in the moment Zach knew what was bigger and it was about a player. So I just think it's it's been really cool to see and, and I, I think you bring up a great point every year he's getting better and that's all you can really ask for in a really young coach and with the Bengals they do give you time they give you time to succeed as a head coach and the thing is he was able to do it and a really I would say a pretty quick turnaround but having Joe Burrow definitely helps too but I also want to add this too uh, while we're finishing up this segment we talk about the culture and different guys one of the ones that I've actually noticed a lot this offseason and honestly ever since he signed with the Bengals and free agency is Ted Karras that guy is just doing amazing things in the Cincinnati community. And, and obviously with this since he had, and you see him around town, they had a uh, jungle to the hall event this past weekend. And Ted was there all day. I'm sure, you know, it's obviously an off day for him and he's, he's there signing autographs, taking pictures with people. And I've only heard that he's just so friendly and, and just great to be around. And he's just another one that is not only a great addition on your offensive line and, and with some of these younger guys and um, really bringing in the younger pieces on the offensive line. You have Cordell Volson, who um, is only in year two, and I'm sure getting plenty of advice from Ted Karras. And I've just been really impressed with what Ted Karras is, is really bringing to the team too. Yeah, um, I think he's been one of the big parts of, you know, you're bringing in these guys and Trey Hopkins, I felt like was a, I don't know, community. He, he was kind of a leader type to me. I, I, I mean, I could be wrong on that, but it felt like he was a veteran that worked his way there, definitely earned it, earned the respect of the locker room, started at center, and you're moving on from him. So you need a guy at center who kind of displays those traits a little bit. Um, and Karras kind of stepped in day one, displayed those traits. I always think back to what Bill Belichick said. He is consistency you know personified it's just you know he's the same guy every day he comes in does his work nose to the grindstone and i think he's taking a little bit more leadership in cincinnati based off of uh what i've what i've gathered i'm not to say he wasn't a leader at all in new england it's just it felt more like he kind of took guys under his wing and he's you know been kind of the rock in the middle for people to rely on. When you think of that New England team, there's other guys that kind of take that role. The, the, but the Bengals guys, are we're all young, and that's a big part of it. Maybe not Kappa, but other than that, last year, I guess Kappa and Collins, whatever. But Volson, uh, you can, 
you know, I think he's done a good job with Carmen, even Jonah. And he's always hosting nights with these guys trying to build up, you know, the offensive line family, the family feel, the, you know, uh, chemistry with that group. I think he's always playing a major role in that. He's done such a good job of what he won. They do an award every year for the players speaking to the media. Uh, good guy award. Yeah, he won that one uh, for being the, the best interview. So he's doing it on all the fronts, every front. He's been a good football player. He's been a good teammate. And he's been good to the media, too. He's been good to everybody. So shout out uh, Ted Karras always. Uh, but, um, yeah, that, I think it's good to point out. Uh, yeah, since he had, that's, that's his thing. I don't know the whole story on man. I need to be more <laughs> okay. well-versed in this stuff. I think this is, like, I think it's like a little story with it or something, but you know, look up yeah. some hat and I'm sure you'll see everything about it. Um, but now support him. He's, he's one of the good guys. It seems like in, uh, well, at least on the Bengals team, but in the NFL, I think of. Yeah, he, he talks a lot about what it would mean to, to win a championship for the city and in a short period of time only being here for um, this will be a second season in Cincinnati and just really knows how 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 big of a deal that would be in Cincinnati. And it's just been really fun to watch with Ted Karras and just the other guys that he's working with because it's still a young offensive line. And I think it's huge having Ted Karras um, next to Cordell Volson uh, because we don't know what Cordell Volson is going to look like in year two. And hopefully it's it's great and it's it, it can only go get better for him. Uh, but overall, I'm 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 I think it was a I would say overall as we're recording this podcast it was day one of mandatory minicamp I would say it was a really good day for the Cincinnati Bengals overall when, when you think about Cheeto coming back no grace uh him getting back out there Jonah Williams on the sideline I know everybody's kind of rehabbing right now they're not a hundred percent same thing for Lyle Collins uh but I would say you know you get one more day in the Thursday is going to be a really short mandatory camp and then they're going to be off until they get back to training camp and that's when the grind really happens and uh we'll, we'll see when it comes the contract extensions but overall i would say um you know seemed like seemed like good news day for for the club overall definitely uh we didn't even hit really that cheetah thing but yeah no brace uh but uh thank you for bringing it up cheeto didn't have the brace on i apologize Uh, yes cheeto didn't have the brace on that's absolutely no you made it buzzer beater Buzzer beater right at the end, just like Cheeto. Um, I know he never did that, but uh, I promise it'll, it'll all make sense. It'll all come together. But Cheeto, no brace, big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I had to wear a brace after I tore mine. They told me, well, not a full on brace, but I had to wear like a little stabilizing sleeve. I, I was basketball, not football. Um, I didn't play football after that. But yeah, I, I had to wear a little sleeve on mine. So, but look, man, I'm not, I, I didn't have an NFL trainer or any of this. Uh, so I trust whatever they're doing. I think it's a, it's a good thing. I don't think he's going to wear, corners. never going to wear a brace. Come on. They don't look good. Yeah, that's just, that's the, the way a corner looks. I feel like look good, play good. They're going to want to look good before um, wearing a brace like that. But also just range of movement, all that stuff is slowing them down. They need to be sprinting out there. Offensive linemen, they'll wear a brace. You know, that mm-hmm. is, put them on. They had to wear two of them in college. They wear like two braces. <laughs> in college, they have to. The, the colleges force them to wear two braces, every offensive lineman. So they're used to it. But yeah, I it's cool. No brace. I think he, I think the behind schedule reports, maybe those were wrong. Um, but I still think 
if he's not ready to go week one, then don't force it. It's going to be the most important thing with him and most important thing with any Cincinnati Bengal, as long as they are this good, is that they are good at the end of the year into the playoffs and that they are healthy in that time. So don't force anybody to come back too early because the team has enough talent. They, they can withstand a couple early injuries and just hold out you know like we're, we're gonna let this guy get fully healthy he could play but we're gonna let him get fully healhealthy they can withstand some of that so if it's cheeto they can do it they went undefeated at the end of the regular season without him and you would have told me that that night because I was down we recorded a podcast that night and I was down I was like you lose cheeto you lose a game really embarrassing yeah a football game on prime time to the Cleveland Browns this team is down and they weren't down. Yeah, not at all. Uh, I think the Panthers game after was always nice. Was it the Panthers game right after, I think? Yeah. Or was it the Falcons game? Right? No. It was the Falcons yeah. game. Panthers, I think. because Wait, was it Falcons? Oh, man. It was definitely like, Panthers. Definitely Panthers because Jamar Chase played in the Falcons game. That's where he got hurt. That was the one before. So You're right. You're right. Ooh, you're right. That was that was down times, man. Right around Halloween, you get Jamar Chase is going to be out for a little while. She you lose. Out. Yeah, nothing. Then, good. then Joe Mixon goes off and five touchdowns the next. Yeah, that game. Panthers game kind of built everything back up. Like, oh yeah, this team is good, huh? Well, I remember Dominique Foxworth. We'd re- I'm going to wrap this podcast. Oh my god, the PJ Walker comment. <laughs> he thought he was going to outplay Joe Burrow in this game, and then it was Baker Mayfield finishing the game, and Baker tried to make a comeback towards the end. I mean, that was a crazy comment. P.J. Walker didn't start a game after that whole thing. Like, come on, man. Like, I, <laughs> No, I still have that tweet. I like, to I like to revisit it. That's it's an- been how many days since Dominic uh, Foxworth said that P.J. Walker was going to outplay Joe Burrow? All-time uh, cold take to say that P.J. Walker was going to outplay Joe Burrow. There was the excitement because P.J. Walker completed the longest air yards pass in mm-hmm. the entire year for a the game-winning touchdown to DJ Moore, blah, blah, blah. That's P.J. Walker, man. Kind of like not a bad one, but a backup. And you're probably a pretty good backup, but a backup quarterback. I'd take him as a backup for the Bengals, but, you know, he's a backup quarterback. Made it from the, what, XFL? Like, yes. awesome Credit story. To him. Credit to him. It, he did everything he could. But to say he's going to outplay Joe Burrow, like, I know Chase was out. They still had Higgins and Boyd. Oh, they still had Mixon. Had Joe Mixon, obviously. Yeah, um, obviously. <laughs> if you ever listen to our podcast, you'll know when we get towards the very end, we're just going to ramble about random things ramble. that happened in the season, pr- previous season, what happened for this. I mean, next week, you never know what it'll be. Uh, but thank you, as always, for listening. Mike is currently taking a break, but you can check out all of his work over on All Bengals. Follow him, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.